This episode of the Infant Mind Podcast is sponsored by Clocks and Colors. Clocks and Colors is handcrafted men's jewelry. They have pendants, chains, rings, bracelets, and apparel. You can visit their website at www.clocksandcolors.com. Colors is spelled C-O-L-O-U-R-S. They just opened up a sister company called Etta Love. That's E-T-A-H space L-O-V-E. Two words. This is Clocks and Colors for women. They have pendants, rings, bracelets, earrings, tons of cool shit. You can check them out at www.etahlove.com. Second sponsor of the podcast today is Manscaped. Get yourself a precise trim. Proper manscaping requires precision engineered tools. Not only does a man's sensitive areas require, but both hygiene and ergonomics demand it. Out now is the lawnmower 4.0. This is top quality shaver right here. <clears throat> Excuse me. It features a light so you can see you're not going in blind down there. The thing is running at 7,000 RPMs. You got that? This thing's waterproof. You want to shave in the bath? No problem. You want to shave in the pool? No problem. You want to go scuba diving butt naked and shave somewhere? No problem. Nothing's a problem here, guys. And I want to help you out. Right now, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the discount code OSIRIS20. That's OSIRIS20. And you get that at www.manscaped.com. Calm. Let's get on with the podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Infinite Mind Podcast, episode 11. We're back. Uh, this is my podcast, to, you know, just to connect with you guys, answer a ton of your questions. I talked to you about what's going on in Born of Osiris, in Motive, my solo project, the relentless Paradise City, American Satan world, uh, just anything I got going on. And uh, this is kind of where, you know, we connect. Uh, I try to get on uh, social media and post something during the day, but I don't live on there. So I'd also try to respond to you guys. But uh, again, that kind of shit can eat up your life if you spend too much time on it. So this is kind of where I connect with you guys, and I'm having a blast doing with this with you. I'm having a blast doing this with you, and uh, yeah, I hope you guys are getting something out of it. Um, so let's talk current events. Born of Osiris. We announced it. Well, it was like midnight, but it's technically today or, or Thursday. Um, Angel or Alien, our new record. It's coming out July 2nd. I know the people have been watching this podcast. It feels like this has been coming for a long, long time, but it's here, and we just dropped... Uh, our second single uh, called Angel or Alien. This is the, the title track of the record. We just dropped all of our pre-orders uh, so you can buy all this merchandise. Uh, and and I'm, I'm pulling it up right here in front of me. So you, what you're going to do is you're going to go to www.bornofosiris.com. B-O-R-N-O-F-O-S-I-R-I-S.com. That's going to get you on this landing page that we made. I'm looking at it now. Um, it's got our artwork. Release date. There's a tab on it that brings you to our Sumerian merch store. So that's since it's record, right? Since it's a record release, that's kind of where everything's hitting right now. We have other merch stores where you can find things, but this is kind of where you're going to get everything uh, really record related at the moment. So at the top left, you're going to have uh, the North America tab. In the middle, you have the Europe UK tab. On the right, you have an Australian tab, followed by where you can get the album on uh, Apple Music, Spotify, Google Play. YouTube music. Under that, you have our music videos for uh, Angel or Alien and White Nile. And you can see all of our merchandise. I'm looking at it now. We got, let's see, we got a wall flag. 
We have art prints. I did talk about that on this podcast. I did want to get that done. It looks like we did it. We have a sticker set. We have a patch. We have an enamel pin, which is cool because we created a Enneagram, I think it's called. If I'm not uh, correct on that, I apologize. But basically, our album title, Angel, Angel or Alien, any which way you flip it, it says the same thing. So, you know. Tricky, huh? Um, so there's an enamel pin we released of that, which I think is cool. I really love we, we, we I think there's like three different artists that all came together on this thing to make this album happen, uh, at least what you see on the artwork, and, and a team of like 10 to bring you what you saw on the Angel or Alien video. We have patches, pins, uh, coffee mug, long sleeve t-shirt, short sleeve t-shirt. We got the vinyl out. We got uh, the uh, obviously the physical album out, but we got different vinyl variants. So depending on where you buy it, you'll get a different look. In our merch store, SumerianMerch.com, which is a landing page on uh, BornOfOsiris.com, you can get like, I think, three or four different variants. I'm not going to take a bunch of time to, to do that and look, but you can get that. But then also like you can buy it from different places and get... Uh, a custom variant so pick the variant you like of the vinyl if you want one and then uh yeah just decide where you want to buy it from to get the one you want um we got sweatpants hoodies beanies grinders i like the album t-shirt i like that kind of shit uh, straight up born of osiris logo classic album cover classic angel or alien enneagram if that's what it's called uh boom and uh, let's see yeah uh, rain windbreaker whatever you call them long sleeve white t-shirts black green we got it all here so it's exciting i know it's been a long time coming on this podcast i've been telling you so much about the newborn of osiris but i'm just glad that it's finally here and and we can talk about it now it's out in the open it's angel or alien so that's exciting shit guys so check it out www.bornofosiris.com it's fucking here next up we got paradise city as i mentioned the full length is coming out may 14th that is tomorrow <laughs> or today. This is dropping Fridays. I'm sorry I'm fucking up my dates with you guys. It's out today when this drops, but not when I'm filming it. You feel me? Cruel Games, full-length album. I'm playing on, I did seven out of eight of the songs. Some of them are covers, so they're not all mine, but um, you get the gist. Um, it's, all, it's all there. So tons of original rock music for the band from Paradise City, which came from American Satan as well as uh, some cool covers from bands I didn't even hear of at the time when I was making them. But that was all fun to do that kind of stuff. Um, I like doing covers, uh, obviously like making uh, originals more. But the cool thing about doing a cover is you kind of learn something, like how a band approached their song, uh, strategies they took towards guitar tone or, or songwriting or structure in general. That's all really interesting stuff. And you kind of learn that when you do covering uh, cover songs. So it's, it's become something that I recommend to people. Just, uh, you know, home studio dudes, uh, you know, even if you have a little laptop, you just just try to rec- uh, uh, do a cover of a song. See where that goes. You might learn a lot of cool stuff. I certainly have along the way of making all these covers for Re- The Relentless, which is, you know, Paradise City, American Satan. Cool. Let's get into your questions, huh? I see, uh, you know... Angel or Alien just dropped, and I want and I realized when I dropped the questionnaire for this uh, for these podcasts, they do it on Tuesdays, and so Angel or Alien wasn't out yet. So I imagine next week we'll get a ton more questions about that. But uh, for this week, a lot of these questions came in before that had actually dropped. But uh, no, nonetheless, I want to get to all of them. First 
question. Is there anything you want to do different for your next solo album compared to the first? Well, the second album is done. And I'm actually, I think I locked in the the release date this week. I'm not positive because I actually want to bump it up just like a week or a month or, you know, get a little little closer because it's done. But so that's done. But I guess I'll just read your question as the next one. And the answer is this. I, I do want to do things a little differently, not intentionally as far as the songwriting, but I want to go somewhere and do it. So, I you know, I do everything in my big full studio. And what I want to do is I want to take a laptop, a little you know, two input interface. Um, and I want to go to Ireland, you know, or, uh, you know, I mean, mainly Ireland. It's kind of where I want to go. And uh, just because I'm Irish dude and, you know, I have been there once or twice in my life and I, you know, I see it on TV and I just, I just kind of want to go just be there and just kind of take it in. You know, I'm, I'm an American. I grew up here, but you know, my Irish, uh, my, my family, my dad, you know, embraces that Irish heritage you know so it's something that I'm interested in seeing more of and I know it's a beautiful beautiful place and I think if I were to go there for a month two even if I had some of the songs kind of laid down like halfway and just wanted to finish up the songs there but then maybe needed to do like three or four new originals because I can't do a full album in two months I mean I maybe could but I wouldn't want to so maybe if I rolled out there with half an album spent another couple months and uh did four more songs. That's something that I really want to do. So to answer your question uh, in full, it would be to just mainly just travel and, and do the albums, you know, just make sure I have a really good, even one input to just get a really good DI of my guitar. And then I can reamp that anywhere, you know, as long as I get a good quality DI, that's the most important part. Uh, but I want to do that while I travel. I've done some things like I used to make electronic music and I used to do it mainly because you learn a lot about production, but also because, um, like, I didn't have a guitar in my hand. I'd be flying all over the world, Australia, uh, Japan, and I would have my laptop on me, and that's it. And so I did a lot of electronic music, and it was awesome. But I want to do that with a guitar, maybe two, three, because I know I do six, seven, and eight string all the time. Maybe just pick, like, a seven. I don't know. I love my six now, too. I don't know, you know. Couple guitars, interface, laptop, go to Ireland, hike, write, hit a pub, just just exist there. That's what I want to do on the next one. Next question: How did you how did you decide on getting your fingers tatted up? Was it painful? Funny you ask. It was the absolute most painful thing I've ever been through in my life. So I've broken broke my foot in Seattle, um, terribly. Uh, it had like multiple surgeries, plates, screws, like it was bad break, midfoot break, terrible. But when they are just drilling like by the fingernail, I don't know if you can see it here, like that's like on my fingernail. That is the most excruciating place to get tattooed. Worst pain of my life, hands down. Um, how did I decide on it? Well, you know, I don't know. I, I just kind of like tattoos, I like to tattoo my whole body. You know, I remember growing up thinking Alexi Leho had uh, cool finger tattoos. I think it was like a snake or something. If I look at it now, I'm not sure. Uh, uh, and rest in peace, of course. But I'm not sure if I looked at it now if I think it would be as cool as, as I did when I was younger. But people don't think mine are cool sometimes, you know. And, and the point of the tattoo is it's personal. It means something to me. Mine actually says war winner across my all my fingers. And it was just, I was dealing with a lot of anxiety at the time. As uh, as a lot of people go through in life, and and that's nothing to be ashamed of. And I just noticed, uh, 
what basically what war winner is to me is uh, you know each day is a battle you know and sometimes you might lose the battle but overall just keep working being healthy get exercise maybe cut back on the drinking um, just live a healthier lifestyle so you can win the war um, and I just decided in that moment that uh, war winner would be what I'm putting across my fingers I think I had a, a song called war winner that probably came out under a different title at the time or, or it, you know when it finally released but the demo was war winner I was attached to it. It was something I read in a book. <sighs> Don't focus on the battle. Just win the war because anxiety will kick your ass, um, you know, and uh, and everyone struggles with it, including me. Um, not so much anymore, but uh, previously. Next question. What to expect from second solo album? Any good sweep tips? Okay, so we got two in one here. What to expect from the second solo album? I would say just, you know, the first solo album I did, Infinite Mind, like was just me getting the hang of doing this all alone. And I do a lot in Born of Osiris alone to get the skeletons of songs going, you know, before the band really gets their hands on it. So I'm used to the process, but there's something about, you know, uh, uh, just fine tuning the last bits on your own and saying like, that's done without a group of people saying, yeah, or this, or like, try that. There's an element of, vulnerability to it there's an element of uh you know there's just an insecurity in a way so don't get me wrong it wasn't like I felt insecure the whole time but when you wrap up a song on your own and it's your own song and it's just for you and no one's gonna hear it until it comes out there's just more questions in your head and it's fun um but what I noticed is the second album what I got better at is just knowing and just fine-tuning each craft like each part of the craft like fine-tuning the way I do drums to make a uh, if I'm going to program, make it re- more realistic. If uh, where I'm doing the bass, like maybe it doesn't need to be high gain all the time. Like I love gain, but like sometimes it's clean. So fine tuning how I go part to part with bass tones instead of just slapping a bass tone on a song. Um, how I work on leads and how I create uh, full full solo sections. Like each part of the process, each time you do a new album, gets streamlined and it gets better. And so I just feel like what you're going to expect is an overall better album on all uh on all fronts but that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with infinite mind i obviously love it wouldn't change a thing about it even though if i opened up a session i might go digging but just you know i mentioned it before like that's my fucking solo record my first one it's a part of my life it's a chapter of my life and even if you would go back and be like it'd be tight to change this i'm not into that shit it's uh it's perfect to me in that way and uh but i but since then i'm just better i'm just better on every level of everything i do and i think you're gonna hear it on uh, on the second solo album the second part of this question was any good sweep tips. And I do have some sweep tips. But if I'm going to just give you something over a microphone without a guitar in hand, and I don't know if you have a guitar in hand, if you're listening or watching or however you're taking this podcast in, I'm going to say this. Good sweep tips is don't bite off more than you can chew. Listen, I know everyone hears some Animals as Leaders song that inspires them to pick up a guitar. And, how, and why not? Tosin's a genius his albums, you know, are legendary and they've done so much for guitar, right? But, you know, the dude's rocking an eight string doing high, high level, high level things, techniques, um, doing sometimes things, you're hearing things and you don't even know how he's doing it half the time, you know, if you're a new guitar player, for example. So good sweep tips, I'm going to say, is even if that's what's inspired you, just keep things in check and be realistic, right? So say you have no sweep experience and you really just want to dive in. I'm going to recommend a three string sweep, maybe two. You know, when I was doing guitar lessons, uh, I don't do them really too often. I just, uh, as far as all the things I do in life, 
with uh, all the different things I do in music and, and studio and production and running my studio outside of all the bands that I do and outside of all the music I make. Giving lessons isn't on the top of my list of fun things to do. That's why I don't hear you see me doing them often. But when I was doing them, um, yeah, I would start with two string and then I would start with three string. Really, the three is where I like to start um, because I, I'd have to explain the two string thing more. But three string sweep. Listen, is it exotic sounding off the bat? Might not be, but um, it's a way to approach things because what you don't want to do is start with something and then just start speeding it up. So improper techniques sped up just snowballs and it makes things worse. So you really have to do something like this slowly. And I know it doesn't always sound fun to take things slow with guitar and we just want to fly, right? That's just the temptation as you're getting better at guitar. But when it comes to a pillar of your playing as a, as a lead player, sweeping as a pillar of some people's lead playing was for, was on my, was a part of my playing for a lot longer in my earlier years. Um, still done a lot, but yeah, I feel like when I was younger, I just wanted to play fast and I want to sweep fucking everything. Um, so I would say as a pillar, take that slow. It's important to make sure your fundamentals are taken slow. If you rush those, it's just going to be a snowball of bad fucking technique. And that's just, nobody likes that. Not even you. So let's go three string sweeps up, down, up, down, maybe up and add a tap, hammer out, pull off, down. Um, and then when you're really comfortable with that to a metronome, let's do it to a metronome. Let's go to a four string sweep, right? Something like that. Real slow, up, down, up, maybe add in a, a tap, hammer on, pull off, down, things of that nature. Okay, now we're going to go to five string, six string. There you go. So that's my uh, sweep tip. It's just to just don't bite off more than you can chew at the beginning because this is a technique that if you're asking me about, um, I'm sure is going to be important to you as a guitar player. Don't rush this one. I mean, don't rush any guitar playing uh, as far as technique goes, but please don't rush sweeping because what you get when you rush sweeping is... And I know that sounds funny, but what happens is people will play the first two notes and then just like, like just run over the next three or four, however many strings there are in your sweep. And then, and then they'll get to the top and they'll be like, dun, dun, dun. so you'll hear those, but then they go back down again. It's just a fucking blur. Like you get a lot of rushing in the middle with sweep picking, right? And what you need to do is make sure that you're not rushing any aspect of it. Cause if you can go up and down cleanly, uh, just, uh, balanced and beautiful, then sweet picking can sound really, really pretty. Um, and it can just sound fucking terrible if you're rushing through it, especially in that midsection. And, and that's another tip that I'll give you. A lot of people rush the middle of the sweep. Don't rush the middle of the sweep. Okay. Next question. Do you still have a, I'm not going to answer that. Um, oh, it's just asking about a relationship with a previous, previous person. I've just decided I don't want to talk about, um, for better and worse, this person doesn't have a chance to defend themselves here, so I'm not going to say negative things about someone uh, because I'm going to be a fucking adult, um, and I'm not going to choose to bash someone without them being able to defend themselves here. Cool. Next question. Tone difference between your neck through uh, LPM6 versus your new LM6X. Well, Oh, so the new ones are spankier. That has to do with being bolt-on in the neck. That has to do with, uh, you know, the, the maple fretboard, a lot of the choices we made in the woods. So you'll notice a spankier-sounding guitar. It's fun with clean co uh, single coils. I just got one. It sounds really spanky, and it's just fun. Um, and then with, uh, with riffing, you get real pop. You get a pop to your notes that I love on this one. 
The old one is great, um, and I still have some, and I still use them. But uh, they're just different. And I think another big, big difference between the old LPM6 versus the new LMX, LM6X. You type 6X, but it's, uh, yeah. The LM6X. You typed LMX6. Sorry, it's a fucking, I'm looking at all these different LPM6X, all this shit. Um, The LM6X is the new one. It's poppier, but the, uh, the fact is when you have a different body style now, and uh, we had to really just change the piezo circuit. So basically, all my guitars, my signature guitars, always come with a piezo. And um, it's basically so you can sound like an acoustic guitar. But on mine, you can actually blend it with the actual pickups on the guitar. Which is fun because you get really brilliant um, half electric clean, half acoustic tones that just shimmer to them. Uh, they have a shimmer to them and they're just beautiful. So the difference with the body style... Um, made us have to redesign the chip. So in the, to be honest, we were just trying to get a chip that would fit in the LPM, or <laughs> I'm all confused on these model names now, the LM6X, right? We're like, can we even do this, right? And when we find out we can do it, we need to find out if it's good, because if it's worse, we're not going to put our uh, product out that's bad, right? First question was, can it be done? The question, The answer was yes. Second question was, how is the piezo in this one going to sound? It's a smaller chip. If it's worse, we have to we have a conversation we have to have. Well, call it luck. It's fucking better. So it is what it is. Your uh, your old LM, LPM six models, sorry again, uh, are gonna sound great. But whatever we did on the new chip, downsizing it along the way, um, it sounds better. I don't know how. That's not my uh, my strength. Is is how that all works. You'd have to talk to people at Kiesel. Talk to Jeff Kiesel, but. Some fucking way they were able to make the piezo chip smaller and better. So those are some differences you'll find. Next question. What is your favorite Texas venue? Well, I like uh, uh, Gas Monkey, the big one. We played there a bunch. And uh, there's just, you know, screens on the side of the stage that they have like multiple people shooting camera. So it's just like. You get full arena level production, even without rolling with your own crew like that, you know, because a lot of people roll with their own screens, roll with their own camera crew, um, or some people rent from a venue, just depends. But like, well, the cool thing about them is they supplied it. So it just felt like we were putting on an incredible, uh, you know, arena fucking show um, every time that we hit the stage. And that was great. And also, so there's a thing called a radius, radius clause in contracts. And it means if I play... Um, a venue, I can't just come back and play very quickly because the point is you want to make every Born of Osiris show an event. Whereas if if we're coming to town on a Friday and you have two things you're deciding between, like, what am I going to do? But you know we're going to probably come back in like a couple weeks. You're going to pick the other thing. When, when, when promoters are paying us top dollar to come play their show or their venue, they want to know that it's, it's, a, it's an event. And then when Born of Osiris comes to town, don't miss it because they're not going to be back for a while. So um, what that means is often you can't play within three months or 60 days or whatever. You know, and it's worked out in a contract and it's different. But it's just so. Um, and yeah, so if, if you come back within that certain amount of time and, it's, it, and you haven't let 30 or 60 or 90 days pass, they can pay you like less or, or just, you know, again, the, the what changes is all in contract and it's all different. However, there's a consequence, is my point, to coming back to a place too soon. 
the point I bring, the reason I bring that up is because they would just allow us the, I think we came one month and then like literally four weeks later, they let us come back again and play and gave us a raise in pay instead of docking our pay, which they had every right to do. Um, Cause we broke the radius clause. We came right back and it was, of course we hit them up and it was with their permission, but we're like, Hey, we're going to rent all this smoke and fucking haze and all like, we already have all that shit, but like those, the, the smoke and haze that like shoots in the sky and like different ang- angles and, cool shit we're like we'll rent some of that we'll make the show different and he's like cool the owner he's like come back and i'll pay you more so i like that venue i like bomb factory um there's a lot of great venues and uh, unfortunately the gas monkey uh the live one the big venue that i said was my favorite is no longer here so we don't know if that means they're gonna move to a different location like for example uh that's owned by a really rich man by the way I he's got like a TV show. I don't really know what it is, but uh, maybe it's called Gas Monkey Garage, whatever. Um, basically, a dude like that might have saw that, you know, we're not gonna be able to have shows for a year because of COVID. So I'm gonna just get rid of this venue and open up when a new big one when things are better. So we don't know if that's the case, or he's just gonna reopen something maybe there, maybe somewhere else, or if it's closed for good. We're not sure, but uh, it is sad, you know, COVID just decimated so many concert venues all over the world and uh you know as we start booking tours and stuff which by the way we're kind of doing now um it's kind of up in the air like what venues are left what new venues there are um you know a lot of a lot of questions when it comes to venues so i just hope that uh, a lot of the cool places are there i'm sure a lot of legendary spots shut down i'm sure it's tragic to people that grew up playing sh- uh, seeing shows at the same venue their whole life and now it's no longer there uh, you know, it's a bummer, all the shit that's going on, but we'll see how we'll see how it looks when, when things get back. Only can keep one piece of gear. What are you holding on to? Well, I mean, I would have to be a guitar. And I'll, I'll give you two answers just because I feel like that's obvious. But okay, I'm going to answer this question a few different ways. One, if I only had a laptop, I could create music. Right? I could make electronic music. Okay, cool. But if a laptop isn't included in this and I can have that, well, now I'm going to have to pick guitar because um, then I can record guitar. Obviously, there should there needs to be like an interface. But if you're really cutting me down here on, on gear, um, then uh, that would be it. I'd have to record into a microphone, into a laptop. Now, let's say I can have my laptop. Let's say I can have an interface. Let's say guitar is already part of the deal. Next, I'm probably going to say something like my Axe Effects. You know, I just got a Quad Cortex. I've been messing with it. It's great. I haven't had enough experience to fully compare it to the XFX, but outside of a computer and an interface and a guitar, the answer is the XFX. And because I can bring it anywhere, I can bring it to a studio, I can bring it on a stage. It does all the things I need it to do anywhere in the world at any time. So, I mean, you give me laptop, interface, XFX, guitar, and I can go anywhere in the world, do anything. And like I said, I want to go do that for my next solo album in Ireland and um, see what comes of it. Let's see. Next question. What would your career have been if you hadn't pursued music? Funny. uh, I wanted to be a member. I want to be on the SWAT team. (laughs) It's crazy, right? Uh, My father was, uh, uh, he's a killer. So, you know, he did security, private security for, you know, basketball players, football players. He did, um, 
you know, he repoed cars. He was a private, uh, private investigator. Like he was just, he's a bad man. And I just kind of looked up growing up around, you know, this alpha male, uh, again, hard on a sleeve kind of dude, just like me, not afraid of emotion, but just hardened man. Um, you know, everyone thinks their dad's tough. I get it, but dude's tough. Um, and so he just had me in that world. I, I liked, uh, I wanted to become a member of the SWAT team. I, I don't think I even had any clue what you had to go through to get there. I don't think I could tell you now what you have to do, like be a police officer and then get to SWAT, whatever. Um, that was something that was on my mind. I can tell you once things actually panned out a little bit more, even before I knew I was going to make it in music, what I wanted to do, um, I was actually going to go to MIT Musicians Institute in California. Um, I think, yeah, I was literally doing paperwork. And then Sumerian came around senior year. I got signed. We recorded a new rain in spring break of uh, senior year of high school and it was off. But yeah, random, right? SWAT team. All right. Next question. Do you feel there's a limited number of songs one can write until one has no ideas anymore? So I don't. I think that there's always another song to be made as long as there's always another life experience to be had. You know, um, this is why I say, like, I want to go to Ireland and write a solo album or I want to go, you know, take the Born of Osiris somewhere and and write uh, in in Japan or write an album or I would talk about in motive, I'd like to go uh, rent a log cab and hide out in the woods and, and make a record, right? Um, the inspiration is always going to be there. I don't think, uh, I just think you need to keep living. I think if you stop living life, you're going to stop, uh, you know, feeling inspired. There's so much inspiration out there. Get out there and do it. I understand we got screens that are so fucking entertaining. Listen, I love them. I got my, my studio screen. I can make all the music in the world. I got my laptop. I can do whatever the fuck I want here. I got my iPad. I can do whatever I want there. I'm I'm glued to my phone all day. I got everything I want there. But you need to get out and live life. Go for a hike. Get some sun on on some warmth on you. Get get something. Uh, go to a concert. Do something like that because I just believe that we're moving in this way. And I hope this doesn't sound like some weird conspiracy thing I'm going down but I just feel like we're going down a bad path as as humans right now where I mean I love Amazon deliver bring it to my door but like everything can be brought to your fucking door I don't even have to go to the grocery store anymore I can have my groceries delivered to my doorstep this worries me this is something where I'm like you know and and we and we and we make being a what do you call it (laughs) oh fuck uh, a quiet a person who doesn't like, uh, you know, being around people all the time. Like we, we make that fashionable. Like, no, I'm just going to stay in. I just don't want to be around people today. Oh, I'm, I'm an introvert. That's what it is. I'm an introvert. Like we've, we've made that fashionable, like normalize being an introvert and saying fuck off to plans. Okay, cool. I get it. But here, here's the problem. As this, as life goes on and, and our groceries are brought to our door and Amazon brings anything you fucking want to your door, same day. And, uh, and the screens just all encompass everything we do. And we, and we stare at our phone for X amount of hours a day. And now we have uh, VR headsets so we can take us into another world. I'm just worried that we're not living life anymore. Get out in the sun. Go see some beautiful uh, trail. Go in the woods. Go do some shit. Go get rollerblades. Get on a bicycle. Go train jiu-jitsu. Go do martial arts. Do something. Get out. Uh, because the answer to your question is, is uh is there a number a limited number of songs one can write? No. As long as you keep living life, you're gonna keep getting new new inspiration. You're 
you're going to keep getting new song, uh, you know, ideas and, and, uh, you're going to keep living. And, and I think living life and writing songs, they go hand in hand. Next question. Do you burn bro? <laughs> uh, yeah, as far as weed goes, it's not a social thing for me. So I don't go to a party. I mean, I'm sure I've smoked weed at a million parties, but I'm, I don't go with the idea in my mind that I'm going to smoke weed and then, you know, um, so weed to me is a songwriting thing. So in the morning, I'll come into my studio, fresh coffee, smoke a bowl. Um, that's a good combination for me. That's something I like. Uh, is it every day? No. Um, you know, when it comes to like dabbing and all the crazy shit all my friends are doing now, like, dude, that shit makes me so high that like, I can't even function. <laughs> like, like people go to parties and take a dab. If I go to your party and I take a dab, like you're not hearing a fucking word out of me anymore. So yeah, as far as burning goes, you know what I like? I like taking like 10 milligram edibles at night on the couch. That's a fucking blast. So I know you heavy smokers out there laughing at me because that's all like chump shit. But um, yeah, you know, for me, weed is just more of a creative thing. I don't need a ton of it. You know, I guess if I did it all the time, my tolerance might change. But yeah, you give me a uh, a bowl, coffee, sit me down at the studio. It's a beautiful thing. What direction is the new Boo album going to take? More melodic or more heavy? Well, I believe both. If you heard White Nile so far, you heard we're hitting you with the heavy, straight heavy. If you heard Angel or Alien, that's a great example to this question. Um, both, you know, and, and I would say the new album is more heavy, heavier, and it's more melodic. So, um, and again, I think that's what I kind of mentioned earlier. Like as you go on as a musician, you just fine tune every aspect of your game and you just get better at every part of what you do. And that's the plan with Born of Osiris. And, you know, some people think this album was better than this album or this album wasn't quite on par with this album, but, and that's fine. But I like to think what we want to do as a band, like we just get better at our craft as time goes on. And as, as our preference waves like an S and our fan base preference waves like an S. Sometimes those S's are apart from each other. Like it's we're at a wide point and they're at a wide point and they're not connected. And sometimes that S comes in and we're just vibing. We're on the same page as our fans. It fucking happens. I don't think it's a problem. It doesn't mean your, your band got worse. None of that. It just means that sometimes the band and the fan just hit that sweet spot. Sometimes they don't. Um, from what I've heard about what people like about Born of Osiris, I think we hit it here. I think we're at that time. Because, um, you know, at this point in time, I've seen from each record what fans liked. I like this about this record. I didn't like this about this record. Okay, cool. What I look at the, when I look at Angel or Alien, I see the best parts of each record coming together on one. And not because it's to sell more or because you wanted it, but because at this point in time, that's what we felt like doing. And it's, I think it's going to hit. Is there any way you can talk about theory some, maybe like intermediate type? Yes, that that that's definitely possible. As I mentioned, I think on the last podcast, like the first five years of my playing was like sheet music and all theory and blah, blah, blah. And as much as it's not the the thing I focus on these days, um, it's there. It's there in my mind. I'm not like a top theory expert, but you're talking intermediate. Absolutely. We can talk about it. If you have a more particular question you want to ask me, I will definitely answer it. But as far as talk theory, I apologize. I don't know where I would start, where I would end, things like that. Next question. The first riff you learned. You are awesome, by the way. Well, thank you very much. The first riff I learned, 
it's going to be, uh, I mean, what, like a smoke on the water probably, you know, like when you go or like even a fairy little fairy tale jingle was probably that. But like as far as things that really made me happy, I would say, uh, uh, you know, I mentioned this a few times, but Cliffs of Dover by Eric Johnson was the first like lead lick that I really learned that just made me want to play it over and over and over. Some Stevie Ray Vaughan. I used to just watch Stevie Ray Vaughan live in my room and just fucking die because it was just so incredible. I just wanted to play everything and sound just like him. Um, as far as like learning a lot of bands, I used to learn a lot of System of a Down. Honestly, I think that's probably why I liked Drop C so much was, was System of a Down. Um, I used to learn a lot of Corn, um, Corn and System of a Down. At one point, were like everything. You know that that phase of of rock metal history. I loved that. I was a sucker for that. But yeah, it's hard to remember like the first riff. The first things you learn are usually by a guitar teacher out of a guitar book. It's probably something you're not even interested in. Um, but yeah, I hope, I hope covered some things. Next question, tips on staying inspired and keeping the drive to play guitar. Well, keeping the drive to play guitar isn't hard for me only because I love songwriting so much. And the guitar is my closest friend in that category that I'm picking it up all the time. What I love doing the most out of anything on planet is writing songs, right? And I'm best at guitar. I play a lot of instruments, but I'm best at guitar. So what I find is when I sit down at, at my studio to write a song or for anything, Born of Osiris or Polar Opposite, like The Relentless, um, when it comes to like, okay, boom, I got an idea. What's the first step? Boom, grab my guitar. It's right there. So for me, like I would recommend um, if you're in a rut maybe where you're just playing guitar, amp, guitar. Maybe like get yourself a little recording setup. If you don't have one, um, I understand they're, they're, they can be expensive. There's also ways to do them super cheap. So I'd, I'd, I feel like at this day and age, there's no excuse if you want um, to not have a, you know, a studio rig. But um, so I recommend this. If you're, if you're, maybe if you're stuck in songwriting mode and you're just not feeling it, then turn off the computer and go play guitar out of an amp. If you're the guy who's playing guitar out of an amp with his pedals all day or his Axfex, whatever he's got hooked up, then go to go re- like write a song. So use songwriting as a way to get uh, towards your instrument, whether it's get away from songwriting and play your guitar or get away from only playing guitar and get towards songwriting, because both of those have your guitar in your hand. And I think that'll keep you uh, driven. Not a question, but I love your cat. Oh, yeah, that's coconut. I think I used co- a picture of coconut, my white cat. As, uh, as the thing to answer, uh, ask me a question this week. All right. How did you come up with the tapping intro in A Clock Without a Craftsman? <laughs> I, I, it's a good question. I just don't know the answer. Oh, you know, I probably had a nice chord progression. Because a lot of my solo stuff starts with a chord progression. I probably had, had something on keys that I was doing that I liked. Or maybe on guitar. And I was like, all right, I want to write a lead to it. And then I probably started my normal way of going about leads. I'll probably rock. Uh, let's rock the this scale over it. Okay, let's pick something over it. Okay, let's sweep something over it. Okay, let's tap something over it. Ooh, what's this? I kind of like that note relationship. All right, let's see. Should I stop? Should I, should I like put gaps in here? Or should I make it just a flow of notes? Uh, you know, things of that nature. So it probably ended up, it probably started with a chord progression, whether that be keys or guitar and then i was probably just going through the motion of uh you know what am i gonna do here am i gonna what kind of lead do i want 
And I don't often think in my head, what kind of lead do I want? I just try all kinds of lead work over something and go with the one I like. Like I said, try sweep over it. All right, try some alternate picking thing over it. Okay, try some tapping thing over it. Which one hits you? Oh, that one. Okay, now let's focus on that. Let's hone in, sharpen it. That's a good uh, writing advice, but uh, that's probably how I came up with A Clock Without a Craftsman. Uh, I remember where I was, but I don't remember how or why. Next question. I know you love your Kiesels, but do you ever revisit your old guitars? This will actually be the last question, too. Um, I know you love your Kiesels. Do you ever revisit your old guitars? No, I don't. Um, Listen, I, I understand there's a business relationship. There's money involved. I understand that I sell a guitar and I should tell you that um, it's the only guitar I play, but I swear on my dog right now. You ready for this? And I don't swear on my dog unless I'm telling the truth. I'm looking over here. I have something in the way. But there's a six string of my signature. Two six strings, a seven and an eight and a seven. All my signature model in the studio. Now I am moving. There have been guitars going back and forth. And it's a fucking mess right now. Studio's a mess. And what is what happens when you're still needing to work in a studio, but you need to move at the same time? You keep your essentials. And my essentials, as I just said, are uh, my uh, LMX models. So to answer your question, no. I don't play any of the other guitars, and I'm not just fucking bullshitting you. I would either not read your question, or I would... Uh, yeah, just wouldn't read your question. I'm not a liar. But uh, that's the deal. I love my signature models. You know, there is an aspect to it. I created the perfect guitar for me. And I think it's versatile enough to be anyone's favorite guitar. But yeah, when you create something that's perfect for you, um, in general, you're going to stick to it. But I, I live by my product. I swear by my product. Jeff Key, I'm lucky to have the best uh, mind in the game, I, I believe, making my product. And I couldn't be luckier. So Nope, just playing my Kiesel's, even a bass guitar right here. I would grab it, but I don't know if I could fit it in the shot. Kiesel bass, um, I'm all in, right? Cool. Thank you guys for being here again on this Infinite Mind podcast, episode 11. I appreciate you, uh, everyone that's here, and uh, thanks for all the positive uh, words on Angel or Alien and White Nile. This is just the beginning. Pre-orders are up now for Born of Osiris, www.bornofosiris.com. We have everything you could possibly want. Branded Born of Osiris, branded Angel or Alien. We got white, black, green, tie-dye, everything. So there's something for everyone there. I hope you like what we got going. Uh, it's a new age of Born of Osiris. It's among us right now. We got two songs out. You can, you're getting a little heavy. You're getting a little of the melodic. You're starting to feel that this is going to be a versatile album in all different ways. I hope you like what you hear. I hope you like the album. And uh, I'll see you next week on the Infinite Mind Podcast. All right. See ya.